raise your hand or ushers there's some on the back table ushers can grab one so just raise your hand if you need a bible but get to john chapter 7 we are working our way through the book of john and now we're in john chapter 7 verses 25 through 39 today there's a picture going to come up on the screen here tell me if you've ever ridden one of these Anybody ever done that thing? Raise your hand. Is that awesome or what? All right. I mean, if you've never ridden that, on the left, you see the chute, okay? So it drops you, and it, this is a water slide, just FYI, and you're on a tube, and, and you hit that funnel, and literally, you're going up one side, and you're going down the other side, and you're just going back and forth, back and forth, until it shoots you down to the bottom and shoots you out. One of the best things ever invented right there. I mean, next to sliced bread, that's it right there. Whoever came up with that idea had some, but, but that is a lot of fun. But the idea is it's a funnel, okay? And you get into that funnel, and, and you're going to swish back and forth, but eventually you're going to come out in one place, the bottom of it, okay? And, and that's what a funnel does. You know, the funnel is always bigger at the top, skinny at the bottom. And no matter what kind of liquid you pour into that funnel, it, it's going to go into the top, and it's going to swish around, but eventually it's going to come down and come out the bottom. And, it, and, and no matter what types of liquids, different types of liquids, it all comes to the same place, the bottom. And today, that's what I want to look at. I, I want to show you how our verses today, as we work through them, is going to look like and act like a funnel. There are two groups of people we're going to be looking at in our, in our text today. Remember, last week we started chapter 7. And, and in chapter 7, the entire, the entire chapter is, is one, one context, even though we've, we've broken it up. It's one main context. And Jesus is in Jerusalem during a, a feast time, a festival, a celebration of the Jewish people at that time called the, the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And what this was, it was an eight-day celebration that the Jews commemorated every year to remember the, the time that their ancestors during the time of Moses dwelled in tents in, in the wilderness. So around fall time, our time about September, October, they would celebrate this. And Jesus is in Jerusalem celebrating this, this Feast of Booths. And while he's in Jerusalem, he's, if you remember, people were talking about him. People had different views of who Jesus was and all this, and he's listening to it. And in verse 14, it says that Jesus went to the temple, and he began teaching. And he began having a dialogue with people. And so he's talking about who he is, where, where he, what, what he's doing, and people are, are discussing this. And what we're going to see in these verses, 25 through 39, I want to show you how there are two groups of people. And each group of people, even though they have different attitudes about Jesus, different mindsets about Jesus, these two groups of people end up going into the top of the funnel. And the thing is, they both end up at the bottom of it. And I want to show you how this takes place. So let's look at these two groups. We're going to look at what the bottom of the funnel looks like, and, and we're going to take a look at how this thing is a funnel. 
So here's the first thing I want us to see. And what we're going to see is this, the confusion. The first thing that goes into the funnel is confusion, all right? There is a group of people confused about who Jesus is. And so if you would follow along with me, let's get an idea of this first group and, and, and let's see the confusion here. So in verse 25, remember, they're still in the temple. Jesus is teaching. He's just speaking to the people. And in verse 25, it says, Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? All right, let's stop there. There's going to be more confusion here in the text, but this is the first point of confusion. Is he's talking to just normal, every, everyday Jews, okay? Nothing special about them. This group of people were just everyday, you and me kind of people. And, and they're like, time out for a second. Isn't this the guy that the, the authorities are already saying they want to kill this guy? Because if you remember from last week's message in chapter 7, verse 1, it said that Jesus remained in Galilee, upper, upper Israel, and he wouldn't go to Judea and lower Israel where Jerusalem is because he knew the authorities wanted to kill him. They, were, they, they didn't like Jesus and they wanted to kill him. Well, now here he is in Jerusalem and he's speaking openly to all these people. So you've got the normal everyday people going, wait a minute. I thought they wanted this guy killed. And they're looking at him talking openly. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody's coming against them. And these people are now bewildered. They're confused. And the only conclusion they come up with is this. Well, maybe the authorities have changed their minds. Maybe they're like, nope, this is the Christ, the Messiah. That's what the word Christ means. It's Messiah. They believe the Messiah was, the, was Israel's savior. And so they're like, the people are like, well, maybe the, the, the authorities, the Pharisees and the chief priests, all the religious leaders have changed their mind about Jesus. And maybe they're like, no, this guy is the real deal. Confusion. These people are confused. They don't know what to think right now because Jesus is simply preaching and nobody is saying anything. But now look at verse 27. Now the people are going to say, and they say this, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So they're looking at Jesus and they're like, well, we know where you lived, okay? We know where you come from. And, 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 but the Messiah is different. When, when the Messiah comes, well, we won't know where he comes from. You see, the Jewish people were really expecting the Messiah just to like appear up out of the sky. Just kind of like, you know, just boom, out of the sky and just kind of slowly come down to the earth and go, your Messiah has arrived. They wouldn't know where he would come from. Well, here's the problem with that. If they knew, <laughs> I thought about this this morning, these, Jewish per these Jews act like Christians today. They didn't know their Bible. Because the Jews should know where their Messiah comes from because the Old Testament prophets told them where they would come from. Where would, the old, where would the Jewish Messiah come from? Do you know? Bethlehem. 
That's where he would be born. The, the prophets told them that. They go, hey, here's the future Messiah. He will be born in Bethlehem, come from Bethlehem. And these Jewish people are like, well, we don't know where he comes from. Confused. Confused big time. But now look at Jesus' response in verse 28. And it says, so Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple. You know me and you know where I come from. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. So now Jesus is like, you know where I'm from physically. He's like, some of you grew up with me down the street. All right? How many of you know Jesus, he was, he was born and raised in, or not born, but raised in Nazareth, okay? And, and he didn't live in a hole in a wall. He would have had, let's just be real. Do you think Jesus had friends? I think he would have. When he was 10, I'm pretty sure he's running around with other 10-year-olds, okay? So you've probably got people in the crowd going, wait a minute. I grew up with this guy. He's from Nazareth. There's no way he's the Messiah. I know. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, you know where I am physically, but you don't know where I am from spiritually. He's like, you know my, my earthly home, but you don't know anything about my heavenly home. He's like, you know my earthly father, but you don't know my heavenly father. And he just cuts right through the chase. He's just like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. He's like, you, 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 you're so confused. You, you're, you're, you're living bewildered right now. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. He's like, you don't really know who I am. Now look at verse 30. Verse 30, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to read it real quick because I'm going to tack it on to my next point. But in verse 30, it says, So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Now verse 31 is a very interesting verse. He says, Yet many of the people believed in him. And they said, When the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? Now that's confusing to me, Okay. I'm like, these people are really confused because they're, they're like, oh, we believe in Jesus. But when the Messiah shows up, will the Messiah do as much as this guy's doing? Now, think about that for a moment. As a Jewish person, you're, you're waiting for your Savior to come. I don't know about you, but I'm, if, I, if I was a Jewish person waiting for my Savior to come, the Messiah, the, 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 the Christ... I'm hoping he's going to show up and do some stuff, all right, that he's going to have, like, he, he, they, he's God, and he's going to be able to do some amazing things, and they're looking at Jesus going, well, dude, you've done some amazing things, but when the Messiah comes, will he do as much as you are? They, they don't know what to think. They're like, now, man, we've got this guy in our presence. He's like, healed people. He, he did a miraculous feeding of several thousand people with a little bit of food. He, he, he teaches like in a way that we've never heard before. But we're not sure if he's the Messiah or not because I'm thinking when the Messiah comes, will he or will he not do more than this guy? Anybody all in favor for confusion? These people are confused. They believe, but they're keeping their options open. We're going to believe in this guy, but man, if the Savior does show up and he does some other stuff, then we'll believe in him. They don't know what to believe, where to go, who to... They're confused. Now, 
here's the thing as I, as I put this together. Now, here's where the funnel comes in. Here's why confusion goes into the funnel. If you're confused about anything, do you have to stay in that state of confusion? No. How do you get out of a state of confusion? Do what? Investigate it. You ask questions. If, if you're in high school and you're confused about algebra or, or calculus, do you just sit there and just throw your arms up and go, I don't know, I'm confused, I don't care anymore. Most of us probably would. But a real student is going to do what? I got a question. I, I, I'm confused in this. Can you explain a little bit more? All right. If you're driving your car and you're, you're in somewhere in Hickville, Tennessee, Tennessee, and it's just trees everywhere and, and GPS is no longer getting you there and you're lost and you're confused, are you going to ask somebody, hey, I got a family reunion to get to and I don't, can you show me how to get to Route 5 again? No, because we're in Hickville, man. That's not happening. We're hearing banjos playing. That's not happening. But even in marriage, if you're, not, if you're not understanding each other, don't you ask questions and try to resolve the confusion? That's what you do when you're confused. These people are not doing that. They're not asking questions. They, they could eliminate their confusion about Jesus by simply doing this. The scripture says, if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. Okay? Jesus is not apprehensive of showing these people who he truly is if they truly wanted to know. But that's not what they wanted to know. Because if you look down at verse 33, it says, Jesus then says, I will be with you a little longer and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. I'm going to expound on, expound on that in a little bit in my third point. So I'm just buzzing over that. But look at what it says in verse 35. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Meaning, is he planning to live, leave Israel and go to another nation, another country and teach? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Jesus just said this to them. And what do they do? Hey, Earl, what's he mean, man? What's he talking about? Hey, Barb. Can you tell me? Because I'm really lost on this. I'm confused. Where's this guy going? You know, what's he mean that, that we're going to see? They talk to each other. They're asking each other questions. Who should have they been talking to? Jesus. That somebody should have said, whoa, time out, Jesus. I am really confused about it right about now. Where are you going that we can't come? What do you mean by that? What do you mean that we're going to seek you one day and we won't be able to find what can't please tell me that's not where they were. They really didn't want to know. You see, this is why Jesus, when he was asked by his 12 disciples, why do you always preach in parables? And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus, he answers them. He goes, this is why I speak in parables because seeing they do not see hearing. They do not hear. They do not understand. 
Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. You see, Jesus is just simply talking about the people of Israel would hear him, but not truly hear. They would see him, but not want to truly see. They could understand, they, they, would, they would listen, but not really perceive. They would stay in their confusion. And that's a bad place to be. Confusion always goes to the bad conclusion. It's kind of like this one day. You know, you see, confusion is just simply mixed messages that, that ends up in the, in, in, with the wrong conclusion about something. It's kind of like these two elderly women one day, sitting on the front porch one evening, summer, beautiful summer night. And um, as they were sitting there, one of the elderly ladies was listening to the church choir sing. The church was a couple doors down, and she was listening to the choir singing in just lovely sound. The other lady was listening to the crickets. Beautiful summer night. She was just like, lovely sound. Well, the woman who was listening to the, the choir says to the other lady, isn't that such a beautiful sound? The woman listened to the cricket says, yes, it is. And I understand they use their legs to do it. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? I'm confused. What are you talking about? But you see, confusion, when you are confused, you get mixed messages and it leads to a wrong conclusion, okay? This is what's happening with these people. They're in the funnel. Go ahead and bring up the funnel again, if you would. But they're in the funnel. Confusion ends up in the funnel. And here's the thing. Confusion is no different today. When it comes to God, Jesus, the Bible, church, heaven, how to get there, what all this, there is confusion, there are mixed messages. The reality is people are confused when it comes to God, religion, the whole nine yards. We're confused because here's what we say. What we do, and we're like these people, they talked amongst themselves, didn't they? So what do we do? We talk amongst each other. We, we, we listen to popular culture. We listen to the news people. We listen to, you know, whoever, whosoever voice is the loudest, that's who we're going to listen to. And if, if they're popular, well, they got to be right. So what we say is, well, all religion is right. It doesn't matter which one it is. As long as you just have a, a strong belief in something, all roads lead to God. We're confused truly about the reality of sin. We, we don't call sin sin. We call it a habit, a problem, a just a quirk or whatever it is. We don't, we're confused by the fact that sin is detrimental to us spiritually because it separates us from God. We're confused about that. We're confused about the reality of heaven and how to get to heaven and what it takes to get to get all this stuff. We, you see, the reality is, and I've, I've done enough funerals to know this, nobody, in, when they die, the reality is everybody goes to heaven. Doesn't matter what kind of funeral you go to. They're in heaven now. 
We, God is a God of love and nobody is going, no, everybody goes to heaven. We are confused about how we get to heaven, okay? The Bible tells us that we are sinners separated by God, separated from God because that's what our sin does and we're confused by that. So what we say is, well, we can be right with God by what we do. So it's our works that will get us to heaven. We say things like, if, if I am good, I go to heaven. If I am spiritual, I go to heaven. If I go to church, I go to heaven. If I give to charity, I go to heaven. If I keep the Ten Commandments, I'll go to heaven. If I do the sacraments like um, baptism and communion, I go to heaven. You see, all these things we say, this gets me to heaven. And the reality is there's a lot of confusion. And just like these people, we listen to voices around us. We listen to what people have to say. We listen to the culture. We listen to the world. And when we listen to other people, I'm sure these people were looking at each other going, what do you think? Well, here's what I think. What do you say? Well, here's what I say. And instead of going to the source. And what happens is confusion ends up in the funnel. So confusion's in the funnel. But here's the second group of people that's also going to end up in the, the funnel. And here's what we see, the rejection. So now we have confusion and rejection going into the funnel. And we see the rejection again in verse 30 when it says they were seeking to arrest him. But in verse 32, it says the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. The religious leaders, the religious authorities, the reality is the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the chief priests, and everybody, all the, 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 the head honchos of the Jewish religion hated Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with him. They opposed him. They were against him. They didn't believe in his, his actions. They didn't believe in his words. Everything about Jesus, the religious leaders rejected. And they wanted to arrest him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him. There was nothing about Jesus. Maybe there was Nicodemus and, 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 and maybe a couple of Pharisees that were like, hmm, there's something different. But the most of the time, rejection. We reject this guy. Let me ask you, is it any different today? People reject Jesus today, left and right. People reject Jesus, God, the Bible, church, anything to do with them. We reject him. People are opposed to Jesus. People, people refuse to listen. People don't want to accept it. People are hostile toward Jesus. People today reject Jesus just as much as the Pharisees did in his time. And the reality is rejection ends up in the funnel. And so you have confusion. You have rejection, both in the funnel. But like I said, confusion causes and gets us to the same conclusion. Confusion, rejection, two different mindsets. Confused people aren't outright rejecting Jesus, are they? Rejection people are rejecting Jesus completely, but yet they both end up in the same funnel. And the problem is, 
They both end up in the same funnel at the top of that funnel, but here's the problem. They both end up at the same place. This is what is serious now. And this is where the place they end up. The third thing, the conclusion. So you see, you've got confusion going in, you've got rejection going in, and it all comes out at the bottom. Conclusion. And this is now where Jesus is at. These people have been talking to Jesus about Jesus, trying to figure out who he is, where he's from, all this stuff. Jesus has been trying to tell them all this kind of stuff. But then it just comes down to verse 33. And Jesus said to them, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. That's the conclusion. And notice, he's just not talking to the people who, he's talking to everybody. The confused people, the rejection people. He's talking to the entire group, two, two, two groups of people with two different mindsets about him, but yet he's addressing them all because they both got into the funnel and they both came to the bottom. And Jesus is giving them the conclusion of their belief. He's giving them the conclusion of their confusion. He's giving them the conclusion of their rejection. And it's this. I'm leaving here pretty soon. You're going to kill me. I'm going to end up on that cross and I'm going to die. But I thought, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect from the grave. And guess what I'm going to do also? I will ascend back into heaven. He says, I'm leaving. And one day... You're going to seek me, and you'll never find me. And where I'm going, you cannot come. Those are harsh words. Now, what does he mean here? What's he talking about? I believe at this point. Now, there, obviously, he's talking, yes, in the natural, okay? Because when, once he dies, he resurrects, and he ascends back to heaven, there will probably come a time where people are like, hey, where's that, that Jesus guy at? I, I don't know. Where'd he go? They'll probably try to look for him and can't find him. Yeah, in the natural, he's probably addressing that. But I think his words are deeper. I think his words are not just so much about the, the natural and the here and now. His words are about when they, not, when they die towards the eternal. He's talking about and contrasting heaven and hell. Because when he says, I'm going to leave... And where I go, you cannot come. Where's he going to go? He's going back to heaven. He's going to go back to his heavenly father. His work on earth is done. He came once, did his work, leaving. That's where he's going back to. And when he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. What he's talking about is the... The very real, harsh reality of this. There will be people shut out of heaven. Cannot come. Both rejection and confusion end up in this conclusion. Rejection is simple. The people who just reject Jesus are going to be shut out of heaven. They wanted nothing to do with them here. They will not be able to have anything to do with them then. 
So, and the Bible makes this very clear. If you want to just jot these Bible references down about who's going to be shut out of heaven and the reality of it, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 46. John 3, 16. John, John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. All of these give this this idea that there is going to be condemnation, there's going to be eternal life. There's going to be people going to heaven, there's going to be people shut off. There will be people allowed in, there will be people not allowed in. It's very clear in scripture. And so you have these two groups of people going into the funnel, coming to the same conclusion. And Jesus is saying to this group of people, both confusion and rejection, where I go, you cannot come. Rejection, like I said, it's people just rejecting Jesus. We don't want anything to do with you. And Jesus is like, then you're not going to be able to come. But confusion. Why would people who are confused be shut out of heaven? And that's confusing. Because like I said, people who are confused say, I get myself to heaven. People who are confused, again, we, people are confused about sin. We get confused about the fact that we are, the Bible says we are all sinners, and my sin separates me from God. My sin causes a gap between me and God, and there's nothing. The Bible tells us, matter-of-factly, that there is no right person under heaven before God. No one is right before God. Not one single person. Every single person, because of sin, is spiritually dead before God. That's what people don't understand. People are, what we're confused about is we say this, we're basically good. And so because we're basically good, God will let us into heaven. And that is incorrect. To the core of your being, you are not basically good. Yes, you can do basically good things, but to the core of your being, you are spiritually sinner, dead before God. That's the problem, and that's the confusion. So when, when people listening to everybody else says, well, we're basically good. God loves everybody, and if you're good, you'll go to heaven. And that's the confusion as that's going to keep people out of heaven. My goodness, my works, my deeds, my merits is not enough to fix my sin problem. It is like telling someone who has stage four cancer and the doctor has already said, you will die in 30 days. There is no hope for the healing. You give them vitamin C tablets. This will help you. You just take vitamin C tablets. Or, or, or you, you tell them, say, no, you just take extra warm showers. That, that'll, that'll do it. Or, or you, you tell them, you go, no, you, you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, every morning. That'll do it. How many of you think you would follow those things? They wouldn't work because the cancer has already done what it's done. Sin is a cancer, and it has done what it's already done. And we are saying, take the vitamin C tablet. We are saying, just take a warm shower. That, that, that'll help you. No, it won't. 
And the conclusion is both rejection and conclusion are in the funnel. And they both come down to the conclusion. And Jesus has concluded, where I am, you cannot come. But also notice what Jesus says. He says, you will seek me and you will not find me. I'm just going to let, the past, let Pastor John MacArthur speak on this little phrase here. I think he says it just very well. And John MacArthur says it this way. Hell is, after all, itself truth discovered too late. Jesus makes a penetrating and powerful statement. You will seek me and not find me, which says that people will seek him and not be able to find him. Hell is an eternal regret without remedy, everlasting remorse without hope. That's why there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in the tormenting darkness. You will seek me. What a horrible reality. You will not find me. Hell is not where Christ is forgotten. It is where he's unavailable. See, that's the confusion people have. People say everybody goes to heaven. No, they don't. There will be people shut out of heaven forever because they rejected Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with him or because they were confused and they believed what everybody else said and they believed the confusion and they let their confusion guide their belief. And there will be people going to hell an undiscovered truth that's too late. The conclusion is a horrible place. What Jesus says is a horrible truth. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives us the good news. And it's this. The resolution. The confusion goes in, rejection goes in, and you have the conclusion, but the conclusion is not the final answer. The final answer is the resolution, and that's what Jesus says on verse 30, in verse 37. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. I love that word, cried out. It, it's like he's not just, he's no longer just dialoguing. He's no longer just peacefully just discussing um, spiritual realities. He cries out to these people. He, it's like he wails. He, he's like he, he sees the reality of these people from what he just said to them. You're going to seek me one day and you'll never find me. You're, I'm going to a place and you cannot come. Don't you? You think that broke his heart a little bit? The Bible tells us that God wants no one to perish. He wants all people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says those words to his people, his heart breaks. He's God. He loves these people, and he doesn't want them to perish. He doesn't want them to, to end up in an everlasting dungeon that he, was, he won't be there. And people will be cast out of the presence of God 
into an eternal darkness forever and ever. But this is what Jesus says. He cries out to them and he says, if anyone, anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, and here it is, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What Jesus, the key there is, listen, I've heard you all talking to one another. I've heard you talking to Barb and to to Earl and to Tom and everybody. I've heard you talking to everybody. But here's the thing. You're going to the wrong place. There's only one place that you can go to that will give you truth, and it's this. As Scripture has said. And if you, and he's just basically saying, if you'll quit listening to the murmuring of people and you will seek the word that God has said, you will find the truth. And the truth is this, I will give you living water. They will know, he's basically saying, you will know I'm the Messiah. You will know I am your savior. If you'll just seek the right place, if you will just discover the truth, if you'll truly turn your heart to me. If you will truly turn your life to me, if you will come to me and not just believe surface level, not just kind of, well, maybe you're, you're the Messiah, but we're going to maybe think maybe there will be another one coming. He's like, no, if you will put all of your eggs in my basket and hope in nothing else, you will be saved. You will have living water coming out of you. And that living water, as it says in verse 39, he said, he says, now this is, he said, about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. You see, it's the spirit of God. When you come to place your faith in Christ alone, I've said this so many times, it's, it's, it's like ABC. It's acknowledging, A, acknowledging you're a sinner. Acknowledging the fact that the Bible tends to very clear, you and I, all of us are sinners. You got to acknowledge that. And then you, you, you come to the B, believe. You believe that your sin will separate you from God from all eternity. And you got to believe that Jesus came to this earth to be a sacrifice for your sin, to give you an avenue out of hell to get to heaven. And then C, you got to confess Jesus. You confess him, Jesus I can't do this. I can't earn my way. I can't do anything. Jesus, I need you to be my savior. You got to confess Jesus and you got to receive him into your life. You got to accept him as the only way of forgiveness of your sin and say, Jesus, I receive you. Come into my life. Be my savior because I know apart from you, I will be eternally lost. Jesus is the only thing that keeps us out of the funnel. The moment you're in the funnel, you're coming to the conclusion. You, don't, you can't wait until, well, maybe, maybe on my deathbed. I, I'll make a decision. You see, the Bible tells us and makes it very clear that once we die, you go to judgment. There is no middle ground. There is no 
There, it, it, this is not like NASCAR. There is no pit stop to, to work on things. No, no, no. It's, it's you're in the race now. And when this race is over, it's to the finish line. And that finish line is one of two places. With Jesus in heaven or shut out. Not able to go. And you'll seek him and you'll never find him. Those are your two options. And the only time that you and I have to determine, do I want to be out of the funnel or am I in the funnel, is in the here and now. While you've got breath in, this, in your lungs, while your heart is beating now, while you're able to speak, while you're able to confess, Jesus, forgive me. Now, the Bible says, today is the day for salvation. Amen. If you would, just bow your heads with me. If you would just bow your head, just close your eyes. I just, I can't preach a message like this without giving an invitation, give, without giving you an opportunity to make a decision about Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know where you are. And maybe you are a rejecter or maybe you are the one who's confused. And I don't know what you believe about Jesus completely, but you do and God does. And so I just want to ask if, if you have never come to the place where you have accepted Christ as your Savior, You've never come to the place where you, you have acknowledged you are a, a sinner. If you have been believing in your own effort and have never believed in Christ, have never confessed him, would you just raise your hand and say, Jim, that's me. I have never confessed Jesus as my Savior. And I want to do that today. Is that you today? Because I want to pray with you. I want to make sure you know eternal life. I'm going to close in prayer. And even after this service, I'm going to be out in the foyer. Come and talk to me if you're not sure. If you're confused about anything, come and talk to me. Because I want to make sure you know for certain Christ is your Savior. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. And, Lord, you're very honest about the reality of heaven and hell. And, Lord, even as we close this service, if there would be anyone in here who, have never, who has never made that decision to say, Jesus, be my Savior, that even out in that foyer, they would just come up and say, Jim, pray with me. Because, Lord, we don't, we're not promised tomorrow. We have the moment right now. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Jesus and that it's in him and him alone that we are forgiven of our sin. And we just praise you and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and close.